Hello, and welcome to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. Here at the Freedom Challenge, we strive to do good by helping enslaved women and children to do more than you ever thought physically possible and to do it together by connecting women with a heart for a hurting world. We hope you enjoy your time being informed and encouraged with host Tracy Doherty and our amazing guests. So let's get ready and join Tracy for this week's episode. Welcome back to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. This is your host, Tracy Doherty. It is summer, friends. I'm cracking out my sunnies, and we are celebrating dads and bringing back the male voice to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. I find it interesting that some of our highest numbers of listeners have been episodes with men. So by popular demand... We are having some great conversation with two remarkable men who have played significant roles in the Freedom Challenge. One of the things I love about Jesus, we love so many things about Jesus, but personally, as a woman, I love that he was such an advocate for women. He's the greatest advocate that the world has ever seen for women. And this month, I'm grateful to have two brothers in Christ that I would call Yes, I would call them biblical feminists. Both of these men function with respect and equality, valuing the image of God that is found in women. And today I have something really special for all of us. I am honored to introduce you to our guest, the president and CEO of Operation Mobilization, Andrew Scott. And for All of you who may need a reminder, the Freedom Challenge is a ministry of Operation Mobilization. And OM is a global ministry. You can find all the links in our show notes that seeks to see vibrant communities of Jesus followers among the least reached. All of the funds that we raise, the Freedom Challenge, go to support the Operation Mobilization ministries that focus on prevention, rescue, restoration, and development of women and children that have been affected by human trafficking. We are grateful and very proud to be a ministry of OM and that specifically we get to engage the hearts and the hands of women. And that's most, if all of you listeners. So now, Andrew, thank you for joining us. Can you start out with a brief introduction, where you're calling in from, the people you love, what you enjoy doing, just a glimpse of your everyday life? Yeah, thank you so much, Tracy, and thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. I love uh, this podcast, and I love that you're um, getting it out to so many people, uh, all the, the listeners that are joining in. Yeah, so Andrew Scott, as those as you listen in, you can tell I'm not from the U.S. originally. I originally uh, was born, raised in Northern Ireland, came here 20 years ago, but currently calling in from Tyrone, Georgia, which is just about 20 minutes south of the airport. I live here with my family. In fact, the OM headquarters, U.S. headquarters is here in Tyrone. So our family came here 20 years ago and my Wife works locally in a store that many of you women might be familiar with, The Loft. She loves it. She manages it, built, has built a wonderful team, and are, they're doing so well. My daughter's married, lives in Tampa, and my son is still living with us, cramming a four-year degree into six years. Uh, so that's that's where <laughs> we're at. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, it's just a, a privilege to be on with you. I, Maybe a couple of fun things. I, I have a few hobbies. I believe in hobbies. I think everybody should have hobbies. 
I love to show and breed dogs. I have a particular breed that I am uh, passionate about. And actually, it was at a dog show early this morning where my dog won, mm. won and got some points towards her becoming a champion. I, I, I've I seen some of the photos of you doing that. It's quite fascinating. Yeah. And I've seen some of your dogs running around there yeah, on you have. the big um, property there at OM in yeah. your home. Yeah, And where all of our ears are perking up with the loft. You are married to a phenomenal woman and she has yeah. a great team around her. I, yeah. I really... Um, we love the loft. So you got us right good, there, Andrew. Good, good. <laughs> uh, but good. on a practical level, I want you yeah. to tell us just maybe a high level glimpse of Operation mm -hmm. Mobilization and the unique right. way that it is showing up in the kingdom of God in this world. Right. Yeah. And you, you already mentioned that our mission, what we call our mission right up front, that we want to see vibrant communities of Jesus followers among the least reached. But I think uh, right, right. Maybe even above that, uh, Tracy, there's just this deep belief that the gospel of the kingdom is good news for everyone in the world. And it has the power to change everything mm -hmm. in the world. So we want to make sure everyone gets to experience that good news, gets to experience it lived out in front of them and shared in their community. That's why we want to see a vibrant community of Jesus followers within reach of everyone. We believe that the gospel is best expressed when Jesus followers live it out and bring justice, bring peace, bring love, bring hope into a community uh, where they are. So our focus then is on parts of the world where few, if any, have shown up uh, to live that out. So that's why we say the least reach. These are places, not that there's just no church, there's just no one there to even start a church. And so we want to go to those places. And often, when the gospel has not been present in a society at large, often these uh, other things like the marginalization and the enslavement of women and children come in because there's that that's what darkness does, right? Mm -hmm. It oppresses people. Uh, and so that we what we want to be about the good, good news of Jesus being brought out in communities where communities can flourish uh, through the gospel coming to life in these communities. Mm. And I mean, I, I appreciate it so much because I think about specifically, as I talked earlier on, has how Freedom Challenge is engaging the hearts of women for women, for children right. within the context of OM. And think about that population within least reached communities. You have, you know, even a, a deeper place of reach. So it's it's um, exciting to be advocating for that within the Freedom mm -hmm. Challenge. Right. And you know that, Absolutely. and you know that we've been around now, if you can believe it, 10 years yeah. as a ministry of OM, and you were around in those early years. We're talking mm -hmm. all year long. We're reflecting and saying, look at what the Lord has done. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about, you know, the stories of transformation in the lives of the women who participated in the Freedom Challenge, but then also the impact in the world, in the places that you're talking about. And we love to tell those stories. So for you, if you would be willing to share with us some of your early memories right. and how you feel this ministry has impacted OM over the last 10 years. Right. Well, my earliest memory, Tracy, is when I was actually out in Orange County doing some calls and I was supposed to go over to 
Mark and Kathy Anderson's home for an evening meal, which I was looking forward to. And I remember walking in at the end of the day, coming up on dinner time, and uh, there was a group of people sitting around the table, a bunch of the OM team, and Kathy was standing waiting for me. She was excited and anxious to tell me the vision that God had given her. Actually, I believe on a drive uh, from up north <clears throat> with the, when she was in the car with Mark, her husband. And this, this vision was of a group of women that would climb mountains to raise awareness for the marginalized and enslaved women and children around the world. And that she she felt that if and this was the vision God gave her, if she could raise up a bunch of women that would go and climb uh, to raise awareness and raise funds, that she could make a difference. And this group of w- women could make a different in, difference in the lives of these mm. um, enslaved women around the world. And, you know, I remember as she was sharing it, it was clear from her uh, voice, her eyes, her animation, that this was something she believed deeply in and something I believe deeply in as well, the, the, the need for the gospel to impact this whole segment of society, this half of the world or half mm. of the sky, as the book refers to, uh, so many that are oppressed and, and enslaved. Uh, and so it was a very easy yes for me. I was the president of, you know, I had already become the president of OM back then. And she asked, would, would it be okay if they could do something like this? And it was a very, very easy yes and I knew that she had the ability to launch this thing. She was a very dynamic lady. Uh, she never took oh. no for an answer. She was going to do this, right? Yep. And of course, it wasn't too long after that to when the plans came into play. And uh, even my wife signed up uh, to go do it, uh, which was a bit of a shock at the time. <laughs> uh, but uh, just so th- those were those early memories. And I, uh, I mean, I, I, I also, uh, you know, in my own life growing up in Northern Ireland, I saw one of the most powerful movements that shifted the troubles that we were experiencing in those in our country in those days was when the women raised rose up and raised their voice mm. uh, it was amazing the power of uh, a group of women that got together to say enough is enough we have to change this so i believe that's already happened and seeing it spread and grow so much in these these years after kathy has has uh, left us and uh you know, I, I'm. I know that she was incredibly proud of where it had gone, and would be very proud of where it is continuing to go. Um, and, and I've seen the impact, Tracy, as well. I mean, firstly, uh, I, I believe it's impactful simply because mm. it's on the heart of God and is central to His kingdom purposes and flourishing. You know, I was as I was reflecting on our time together, the passage of scripture from Luke came to mind. When Jesus stood up in front of the synagogue, the first time we read of him standing on the synagogue and reading the scriptures, right at the start of what we call his earthly ministry, um, he, he read that portion of scripture, the spirit of the Lord is on mm. me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Mm-hmm. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This was the gospel Jesus was talking about. This was the the thing that was top of mind in the kingdom of God. And I'm thinking, as as we stepped into the freedom challenge, this this what we are talking about, what we're about, is on the heart of God. And uh, therefore, I I it it's going to be impactful because God's hand, God's heart is in it. But but in maybe more practical ways. Secondly, I've I've seen. Um, 
how it's raised both awareness as as the voice has been raised, raised awareness and incredible finances that have gone to the work right around the world in places like India, Moldova, Bangladesh and other places, helping meet real needs of women who've been enslaved in some way, uh, helping them learn a skill so that they can have the dignity of providing for their family after they've been rescued, uh, helping them in some cases get well from medical issues that have, have uh, come their way due to the, the life that they've lived. Uh, so it's had massive impact in this way in, in real lives of women that have been rescued and are now on a road uh, to uh, freedom and having the dignity to provide for their families. And then thirdly, it has had a huge impact on the ladies who have gotten involved. Sure. I think I, I don't think this was fully top of mind of Kathy in the early days, although she believed it would happen. But I think you would agree, Tracy, that this mm -hmm. is one of one of the things that we've seen happen that has just uh, been a huge encouragement to us that as the women have showed up and said, I want to raise my voice for somebody else who's hurting and is enslaved, have realized that through climbing these mountains, praying together, singing together, being in the word together, that they had some enslavement going on in their mm -hmm. own lives through lies that they've believed or, or, or harmful things that they've been done to them. And their chains have fallen off in their own life. And that to me is just wonderful, wonderful thing. So those are those are the ways I believe Freedom Challenge been, has been impactful. We've we've joined our hearts with the heart of God. Uh, we've seen lives transformed in the communities we're reaching around the world, and we've seen ladies' lives transformed uh, who have raised their voice and stepped in themselves. Mm. So we truly could say, look what the Lord has done. He's done a lot. Amen. I mean, really, yeah, truly yeah. so many challenges. I mean, even as we speak, right. just last month, we had 65 new, almost first time Freedom Challenge ladies do the California Regional Challenge, just getting their your hands and their hearts for a one day challenge. So it just continues on. And, and the idea of this vibrant community I, I believe that happens in the women that are joining on behalf of those in the world that they may never know. And it really does create such momentum of heart and of spirit and of kingdom. So thank you, Andrew, for mm -hmm. your yes. That's a bunch of faith mm -hmm. 10 years ago to believe that 40 women are going to climb this mountain, including your wife. Um, <laughs> I mean, just from an organizational yeah. standpoint, it's yeah. it's pretty remarkable. It says a lot about the leadership of OM. And that's why I love it so very much. So speaking of transformation, I would be interested from just a husband's perspective, you know, mm -hmm. not even the the president of OM. How what was mm -hmm. that? What was that first challenge like for you, for your family, for your wife? You you expressed a little bit of surprise. And I think that most people do. You know, we're getting ready to right. go to Kilimanjaro again in October. We have a group. It'll end up being about 25 women this time in October going. Wow. And Wonderful. it always does make people like raise their eyebrows. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing right. this? So I'm curious to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. I, well, obviously, I know my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I've known her since she was probably 12 years old we started dating when we were 15 yeah. i was always very always have been athletic loved sports played sports all my life sharon has not <laughs> sharon used to during during uh you know pe in school i used to see her sitting with her friend by the sidelines she mm. just had no interest in physical activity and um so when she came came to me and said i think i uh 
I think I, I believe God is asking me to be part of what Kathy's talking about and raise my voice as well and getting involved in this. And I was quite surprised and shocked. But I know this about my wife. If she puts her mind to something, she is going to do it. Mm. So I had no doubt that she would put the hard work in. And she did. She, we went hiking. And, of course, Georgia doesn't have a ton of mountains. Uh, our poor uh, ladies in Florida are even worse off. But, uh, uh, they, but she, we would go hiking on the weekends and, and the best mountains we could find. And then she, uh, getting close to it, uh, she, she came to me and said, you know what, I'm going to sleep in the, in, in the, on the garage floor tonight. Can you drive, the, you know, move the car out? So she, in the middle of winter, was lying out on a yoga mat wow. with her sleeping bag because she wanted to get used to sleeping on hard surfaces before the climb so, because she knew she had other challenges oh. to face. And she did that for a few nights, you know, spaced it out a little bit. But that was a determination. So I, I, I loved watching her step in both to the physical part of it, but also then the fundraising part and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to raise the $10,000 mm. uh, to be part of this. And then I, watching her come home, you know, meeting her at the airport, I still remember it vividly. She had lost a little bit of weight because that's no small uh, task to climb a mountain and clearly physically exhausted, but she was on a high spiritually and emotionally and still looks back on that event both the uh, physical experience, the spiritual experience, and the experience of relationship with those women that uh, still, you know, form uh, wonderful memories in her mind uh, mm. during that experience. So, yeah, I uh, love the fact that she stepped in, Tracy, mm-hmm. and she still holds it as, as one of the the best experiences of her life. Wow, it's quite an achievement. I'm doing it for the right. I'm doing it for the first time in October. So I oh seriously, it's the first time for you. Yes, right? and <laughs> I I I can't say that I'm going to be sleeping on the garage floor, but I I have done my fair share of, um, you know, laying on hard surfaces. But it yeah, is yeah. it is to be feared. You know, they call it the beast. I mean, I have right. I have some fear and trepidation and preparation walking toward that. Sure. And all that's going to happen in that place, in that space, it's like a, it's a, it's a sanctuary where God speaks right. to all of these girls about their heart, their life. And then of course, right. such intentional time for prayer and connection and sisterhood or very. Right. Well, well, one of the things that just came to mind, Tracy, when you were saying that, you know, cause I remember Sharon talking about this when she came home, she, um, you know, because I'm sure a lot of ladies that may may be thinking about this or other climbs would think I could never do that. Well, she would have been certainly in that category. Mm-hmm. But when she came back home, she talked about both the ladies that you because you had them all in little teams yes. so that they could encourage one another. So the ladies on her team and the guides, I don't know what they're called in Kilimanjaro, I guess in Everest they're called Sherpas. But the guides, uh, she said, just constantly encouraged you and helped you stay with the basics and get up the mountain. And she said, she couldn't have done it without the ongoing encouragement and uh, the get of the ladies and the guides. But with the encouragement, she was able to do it. So mm. uh, those parts are there in the picture as well. Mm-hmm. That if people are a little fearful, yeah. uh, there's those to cheer you on. Yeah, I, they're, they're called porters, and I and I know porters, that right. it's it's really really important. They they're constantly yeah. saying pole pole slowly slowly. <laughs> and you know, one thing before we move on to this this next question, and I I think so many people say, why a physical challenge? How is that connected to mm. modern day slavery and all? All of these things. And, you know, when you think about human 
trafficking or, you know, um, modern day slavery, these oppressive, you know, power over behaviors in the world. It really is about the disempowerment of the human body, taking away their rights, mm-hmm. their their way of thinking, um, all of those things from um, an image bearer. And when you think mm-hmm. about women choosing to step in, using their body to do something very physically hard, praying through mm-hmm. the plight of another who does not have that opportunity, there's something so mm-hmm. beautifully symbolic in all of that. God really just intersects the heart. It's disempowerment, but then mm-hmm. empowerment on behalf of. I really mm-hmm. think there's some transactions that happen out there right. that are quite um, supernatural, right? They're involved in that right. intercessory part that is yeah. where God is, you know, needing to come in these areas that have a lot of spiritual warfare when it has to do right. with the disempowerment of human beings. So mm-hmm. I'm thankful for Sharon's part in that. Early on, she, she, that whole group helped set the tone for what was to come. So I would enjoy hearing from you maybe a story or a memory of the first time that you allowed yourself to, to really look at the reality of modern day slavery and how prevalent it is in the world. And how did that story or experience shape your biblical worldview? I don't know how old you were or when it happened, but there's mm-hmm. always that moment where you you look at something and and you know it kind of takes your breath away and you can't undo what you saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Tracy, it was. Uh, I don't know if I can remember truly the first time, but I can remember the early days of seeing this and experiencing it, and. It was in our uh, work in India about 20 years ago mm. uh, when I was visiting there and uh, hearing the plight of the Dalits, which is a, about which are about 250 million people in India that are called Dalits. In other words, they're untouchable or they're outside the caste system. They have no rights to education or anything in life, quite frankly. Uh, and that's still pretty much the case there. And our team, our, our, quite a large team there, had taken on Uh, this plight. And one of the things they were encouraged by the Dalit leaders to do was to provide English education to the kids. uh, So that uh, going out there to see that work and being told the story of these uh, in one village uh, where the people lived in uh, abandoned sewerage pipes, Uh, that was their home. Mm. And their work was breaking rocks in the quarry. And, and, And that was best case scenario. Worst case scenario, and the reality for many of the young girls was they would be sold into slavery, sold into slavery. And what I was told was that the families became so desperate to feed uh, the big families, to feed their children, that they 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 thought either if we sell one child, we'll have enough money to feed the rest of the children Mm. and we'll all live. Um, Or it was a, a promise by the man or woman that was coming through their village that if you sell us your child or if you give us your child we will give them good work down in the city and they'll send you money back and so there was either an empty promise mm. or there was a desperation that caused this type of slavery uh, and it was particular among young girls and just 
uh, it broke my heart. And, you know, standing there thinking, how can it be on our watch in our generation mm. where this is a reality? And of course, then finding out that it's a reality for literally tens of millions. Mm-hmm. I remember when the first slavery number came out, Tracy, you probably remember too, it was 27 million. Mm-hmm. I think somebody wrote a song about that. I think it was Matt Redman. But then they kept researching and researching and it went up to 32 million then 39 million. And then a man uh, called Kylie Satyarte, who, who won a Nobel Peace Prize from India for his work among bonded slave kill- children, said there was at least 60 million child slaves in India alone. Uh, so this is a massive issue in our world. And, and to be awakened to that idea, uh, you, you, you cannot, as a follower of Jesus, who believes that God's desire, his kingdom, that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, stand back, come back from that and go, it's okay to go continue life as normal. Uh-huh. Uh, we need to step in and be a voice for the voiceless. Uh, so that was, you know, that time where I've never been able to get away from that. And part of the reason why when Kathy came up with her vision, it was, yes, we have to do something. And this is probably one of the most powerful ways for us to engage, to continue to support works like in India or Bangladesh and other parts of the world. Mm. Interestingly, Tracy, I think maybe I'll take tell, shorten my story because I know our time is nearly up, but I was able to go back there a few years later and we had built a school. India, our work in India had built over a hundred schools as per promise. And I was walking down through that same village and there was no pipes anymore. They all were living in homes. Wow. And uh, I, I asked, you know, what had happened? Well, we had brought a, a, a school in here. And then when we brought a school, they invited us to start a church. And the gospel started to take root in that community. Mm. And people had, women were trained with other vocational skills so they could start to provide for their family and men also. So they were built small homes, beautiful little uh, tidy homes. But walking up through the main area in that village was this young girl. And as I tell the story, I, it comes back vividly because it was like a light was shining down on top of her. She was uh, very pretty, well-dressed. Her hair was just uh, shining. And she had a huge smile on her face. And she greeted me in perfect English. And, of course, in better English than I have even. Mm. And in conversation, she told me her story that she was the first graduate, the first graduating class in her school at the OM school that we'd started. And she had now gone on to university Mm. and she was studying law because she wanted to represent her people to change the plight of the Dalits. And she was a follower of Jesus because she was introduced to Jesus in this process. So here you have a girl whose previous trajectory was a rock breaker Mm. or sold to slavery. Now was studying law uh, and her whole, the whole trajectory of her life and her family and a part of her community has changed uh, as a result of that. So, this is what we. This is what we're about. This is what Freedom Challenges is all about. Can we give opportunities to more girls like that around the world, mm. so that the whole trajectory of their life, including their spiritual life, is changed? Yes, the here and now. I you said that yeah. at the beginning <laughs> that the that the yeah. gospel has the potential to have a full transformation on an individual right. life eternally, but now and the community, yeah. and that that yeah, is absolutely. that is. That is the holy ambition to see those vibrant communities established. Okay, here's the next question. It is Father's mm-hmm. Day this month, and yeah. I want um, to always make a space for this male voice. Now, something interesting about Proverbs 31, we often hear it during Mother's Day. 
Or we um, can frame it, most females, as, okay, this is the laundry list of things that women need to do in the world. But in actuality, when you read it, what's very interesting, at the very beginning of Proverbs 31, this king is saying, this is an oracle from my mother. And she and he and he goes on to say, basically, he's puppeting what his mother told him, the king. Mm-hmm. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? He goes, she goes on to say, Don't give your strength to women, don't be drunk with wine. Rulers um goes on to talk about how rulers lead, and then says, You give your voice for the voiceless. You stand up and fight for the needs of the oppressed. And I find that so interesting because it's instruction from a mother to a king about the way he would lead and rule in the world. And I would even see that as the invitation to men in taking their responsibility as brothers in Christ in this area to stand with their sisters on behalf of what... um, maybe an oppressive system. So I would just love for you to speak into the responsibility of men today and how this is relevant as a king, as an influencer, as a father, as a man, to to actually think about this scripture as more than the laundry list of the way that you would want a wife, but even more the responsibility to stand up for the voiceless. Just, you know, Riff off of that, whatever you want to say. But <laughs> uh, Tracy, it, uh, my mind goes in, uh, not in a hundred deck, but this is this is uh, as you can imagine a whole uh, whole sermon in, <laughs> in that one. It's it's, it's uh, because here's the reality, and I don't have time to unpack all of this here. That when we go back to Genesis one and we get introduced to this idea that we were made in the image of God, all of humanity, uh, every ethnic group, every uh, you know every man and woman was made in the image of God. That 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 term image of God meant something to the early readers because it was only used for the kings and queens of the day. Mm. And they thought there and, and with it came two truths. One was that those that were made in the image of God were seen as the sons and daughters of God. Nobody else, just the kings and queens. Mm. Now they were reading, you are a son and daughter of God. So that spoke to their identity. But in relation to this passage, it also told them that they were to represent God. They they had this purpose to represent God mm. on the earth over all creation. That's why uh, the Genesis one says they were made in the image of God so that we may rule, or so that they may rule. So God has made us in His image to represent Him to rule over the earth. So in so many ways, Proverbs thirty one can speak to us, mm. and you even use this language as kings and queens. God's kings and queens ruling over the earth, which gives us an incredible responsibility or puts incredible responsibility in front of us that it is our job to ensure that justice reigns Mm. because that's how God wants the world to run. And so when we ask the question, what do we do with this? This this is, in a sense, almost a job description for us that, that these verses highlight what is central in the gospel of the kingdom, that God's heart is for the poor and destitute. And our responsibility is to open our mouths. Our responsibility is to make sure that there is rights for all who are destitute, that 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 ju- justice and righteousness reigns on the earth and that the rights of the poor and the needy are defended. That's our job mm-hmm. as image bearers of God. It's not for a few who do this mission thing or the pastors or a few select people. It's for every person 
who says they're a follower of Jesus, a child of God, is to step into this responsibility. So as we approach Father's Day, uh, certainly it's for the fathers. I mean, it's also for the mothers as well, as you pointed out at the beginning. But for us, as we celebrate Father's Day, fathers, men, as uh, joint rulers with God, uh, our, our job is to step in, raise our voice, uh, ensure that right the rights of the poor and the needy are met and justice and righteousness reign on the earth. It's 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 not somebody else's responsibility. It's our responsibility. Mm, so good. And here's my closing thoughts because we are running out of time, but yeah. is, is this idea, and I think we're seeing this more in American culture right now. It's this, um, there's a, there's a shirt that's out now that says the future is female. And as much as I love like women stepping up and kind of, you know, being boss ladies and all of that, uh, my heart grieves because I go, I don't want a future in which the future is female. I want a future in which male and female are present together in co-dominion, in co-rulership, just as we talked about in Genesis. And um, as it has to do with human trafficking, there's a lot of finger pointing toward the man. And Mm -hmm. I just want to say, we need we women we need the men in this fight with us standing with advocating for um doing all the things that you just spoke about so mm-hmm. um that's that's my heart Amen. but as we close out do Amen. you have any final thoughts or exhortations to men fathers or future fathers because i bet you our listeners and sisters are going to be passing this on to those men <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 I do it gently no, I, I, I mean, I think in so many ways, Tracy, just as we've come this far in the, the podcast, I think there's maybe enough exhortation. Mm-hmm. I, I think, um, you know, take 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 the time as, your, as a father, as a husband, as a man to love the ones closest to you, but make sure you also stand up for the ones who are not visible to you. That is our role mm. in the kingdom as, as men. Love the ones closest and stand up for the ones who are not visible to you and even to others who have been left on the sidelines and are facing injustice and marginalization Mm. and uh, raise your voice. Well said. Thank you so much, Andrew, for this time together. I'm so appreciative. And all of you listening, if you're interested in being a part of what the Freedom Challenge is doing, you can learn more in our show notes. You can find out more about Operation Mobilization in its entirety. And until next time, continue to do good, biblical justice, do more than you ever thought physically possible. We have so many events that you can enjoy and join this year and do it together by connecting with women who have a heart for a hurting world. Until next time, sisters, God bless. Thanks for listening to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. If you liked what you heard, join the fight to set women and children on a pathway to freedom across the globe. We are a proud ministry of Operation Mobilization USA and encourage you to learn more at thefreedomchallenge.com and omusa.org for how you can get involved. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram at the FCUSA, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to let us know what you think. We'll see you next time.